0: you're created and wired a certain way unlike anybody else and there's a reason for that and when we get a hold of that I think that's when your life really be that's my experience welcome to the watermark wesleyan church reach and teach podcast with your hosts randy johnson and dan ward we're back at it again looking at another episode of the reach and teach podcast with Dan Ward, the Disciple-Making Pastor at Watermark Wesleyan Church, and your other host, Randy Johnson, me, who loves outreach. What's your position, Randy? I am the outreach lead. So you're in charge of outreach? I'm the outreach guy. At Watermark, cool.
1: Well, that's great, because we're talking about outreach here on the Reach and Teach podcast, so it's a good coincidence that you're overseeing that area. Where we're highlighting today is uh, your area, and I wanted to get to know you Well, I know you pretty well, but I wanted our audience to get to know you a little bit. Our hope with this podcast is to connect people with purpose. And so I thought it would be good to hear from you a little bit, your background, kind of how God prepared you experientially and and in any other ways as well for the role you're in. And then I'd like to hear a little bit about this specific role at Watermark and kind of what that looks like. And then hear a little bit about what's going on currently, locally, regionally, and globally. And then I want to hear some of your kind of dreams for the future and really all of our conversation today to me, and I think to you as well, is really revolving around how can we get people connected
0: to Absolutely. what God's doing uh, Absolutely right. around the world. So That whole connectioning people to purpose has really been the heartbeat for, of me going back 20 and 30 years and yeah. uh, working with youth, working with kids to get them engaged and outside the church, actually being a Christian day to day. Yeah. And A lot of times we like to slice our Christianity into this is the piece I'm doing is today I'm a Christian, I'm going to church, and the rest of the week we kind of just wing it. And I think when you start engaging anything in life with your whole life, it just changes everything. And I think especially with your Christianity, it's nice to accept the Lord, be saved, be walking with Him. It's a whole other thing when you start saying, this is what I'm about, this is my life, this is what I'm doing. Sure. So how did you get to that point? Tell us about kind of the beginnings of that for you. Well, for me, I was saved about 30 times in my when I was 4, 5 and 6. Every time they said, "Do you want to go to heaven or hell?" it was an easy choice for me and I kept raising my hand and they kept, you know, doing the prayer with me and all that. But I came to find out as a teenager it wasn't all about that prayer. It was about the you are now his, you are the I whole idea of a disciple. And the most important thing is you walk into discipleship and you walk into being a Christian 24/7. It opens up so many things that you wouldn't have otherwise opened up to you because all of a sudden now God puts in you that want to, your purpose. That whole thing, we can start going after purpose. We know why did God create me? We know we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but why did he create me? And when you connect with that, and all of a sudden your life is focused on the very way you're wired, which only can happen when you're in that process. You can get fire insurance, I think, and accept the Lord, and you're good. But I just think you're missing so much. And I think the most exciting thing about our jobs is the fact that as people become full-on disciples, all of a sudden their world changes. And when people get engaged in missions, it's almost like a shortcut because they start to see what's possible and that you know how we've been so wonderfully equipped to come alongside and present opportunities and and a, a different way of viewing things with a more kingdom mindset. And I just love doing it. It's been something that's been in me for as long as I can remember.
1: So tell us about some of those early experiences you had serving, being a part of
0: missions, whether it was local, global, regional, whatever. What did that look like for you? I was brought up in a Christian home. And not that we didn't have our fair share of uh, dysfunction, but on the whole, we were brought up in a Christian home. We went to church three, four times a week. We were all thirty four times a week? three or four. Oh, three or four. Yeah, thirty four. <laughs> I think there was one time we went thirty four <laughs> times, but I think for the most part, three or four. We would go Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then Friday night was the youth night. And that doesn't happen anymore for the most part, usually, you know, it's different. But it was in that context that I would see the missionaries come through and show some of the opportunities and some of the impact they could have. And I never understood why a missionary could have such a big impact. I didn't understand how that worked until I actually was able to go and do it myself. How just a regular, normal guy, I mean, I don't go beyond normal. I'm just a regular guy. But when you go overseas and you're willing to say, just your presence there is inspiring for some reason. It's like, many times have people said, why would you come here? Some of the places I've gone have been pretty rough, and it just opens them up to hearing and feeling and seeing just being there, and there's been times when my wife would just hold someone's hand. Uh, when we were in Bosnia, there was a Muslim lady who just lost her husband. My wife came alongside her, held her hand, and you would think she gave her a piece of gold. It was it just meant so much to her, yeah. and she was had relationship with her for the balance of the time we were there, and we didn't even speak the same language. But then, as we started to learn some, it was just magical. Yeah. So that's some of our early days when we went. I got started in 1993 with my first mission trip, and my mother's grandmother, her mother, and her were all called into missions, and for one reason or another, never able to say yes. But I was like, there's no way my mom's not going. So right. when I had some training to do down in San Antonio, and so we went down. I had a friend that was involved with the Keith Green, which is going way back. His uh, When he passed, his wife started an orphanage in Reynosa, Mexico, hmm. So I called my friend who was involved with the mission that was dealing with that and he arranged for me and my mom to go to the orphanage and stay a few days and my mom got to hold babies, touch things, sweep, clean, do all the stuff she did and just lighten the place up and it lightened her up. And I saw what it did in her to be connected in something that was a longing of her heart. And I know given the opportunity, given a path, it would have revolutionized your life in ways that we can only dream of, and it would have obviously affected mine. And that's what I'm thinking is with this job here, is there's people within our congregation that it's in there. It's in their heart. There's a spot in there that they know. there. There's a calling there. There's a drawing there, and they say, oh, boy, would I like to go. I want to be the one that helps them get there. And that's what I feel one of my major things is. is if you got the itch, if you got that touch from God that says, you know, I'd really like to get involved, and it can happen, uh, yeah. and, we, and, and I would love to help and show you how. We've done the give everything in your life away, you know, everything we had, all our possessions away twice, we did that, and said, let's go, and we went, and God moved, and when we come back, we wind up with more than we gave away. You can't outgive God, and as people throw themselves into some uncomfortable situation that they feel drawn to or called to by God, He never lets you down, ever. That's great. So you
1: have a lot of experience overseas and domestically, here, and you alluded to selling all your possessions and moving overseas, which is probably what most people think of when they think of a missionary.
0: Well, the first time, we figured it would be a lifetime commitment, and we we made it that way. And the dollar dropped so much, and we came back. It was economically a little rougher time then. And the kids went to college, and we got involved, so we kind of ramped back up again. But you say I've been to a lot of places. I have. It's only guessing at this point because I did lose track, but at one time I was in the 20s, 26, 27 different uh, countries, didn't minister in every single one, but was involved in something in every single one. And, yeah, that just came because I was in a place people knew I was available or they would say, hey, can you take this medical team down to Peru? And they need a medical mission. We don't have a leader. Would you take them? Sure. That happened in South Africa. That happened in Mostar, Bosnia. And just having that experience, it's like one thing leads to another, and you get opportunities. And thank God I have a wife like my wife that's as enthusiastic as I was in getting rid of me. <laughs> no, she, There was times when she was very happy to see me go, but other times uh, she was willing to let me go. And I was so I'm so appreciative to have a wife that is like that.
1: That's great. When it comes to traveling, you mentioned your wife sitting with someone not even speaking the same language and just kind of... Your very presence is a ministry. So there's literally just going and showing up and then all the way to very skilled opportunities where you really need a very specific skill set. Maybe you could talk about just kind of the variation between just showing up and having no, not that your wife doesn't have any skills, but I I just mean in 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 that setting to just use your presence and be there. I've been on trips where people are building things and doing things with physical labor, but there's a huge range of opportunities. Maybe you can talk just a little bit about
0: well, first, whether your experience or... First of all, I'll give you two stories. Sure. One of my wife, just to make sure that people know she has more than just <laughs> yes, I, hand-holding experience. I know that, but that'd be good for others. We were on a three-month mission in India, and India's an amazing place. And the way the towns and villages are laid out, it's like a spider web of villages. There's a million villages, a million villages in India. Just incredible. And the culture is exactly like it looks like on TV. There's a lot of people there and the cattle run through the street. Well, one night we were out in a village and my wife was the speaker that night. We all had a turn to get up and share the gospel. And in a different culture, there's some things you got to make sure of. In that culture, the whole idea of Jesus being the only way, because having them add another God to their list is no problem. They have about 500 million Gods in that country. Gods are like a dime a dozen, as it were, and in that culture, it's not hard to get somebody to have another God available. But when you have to do it where you have to not only share the gospel, but add the element of Jesus being the only way, that phrase, and be able to do it skillfully so people receive it. Well, my wife shared one night, and literally the whole village came to the Lord. And it was You know it wasn't a huge village but it was several hundred people and god gave her very precisely how she was supposed to share it and i'll let her share that story but it was very specific and she said i'm not going to speak until god tells me i'm not going to take my turn until i know what i'm supposed to say and she waited on the lord and the holy spirit dropped it in her and she goes "I'm, i'm ready and the night she went to the leader and said i think tonight would be a good night for me to share i think the lord gave me what i'm supposed to share she shared it, and she shared it in a way that it clicked, and it was just amazing response. So that was one story. Another time back in Bosnia, it was a hard country to minister, and people accepting the Lord was very rare. And I had my chance one day. Right after the Lord spoke to me about our publishing stuff, I'm, it's early in the morning, probably 6 a.m., I'm walking across the Tito Bridge in Mostar, Bosnia, and I can feel somebody following me. I would speed up a little bit. They would speed up. I would slow down, they'd slow down. And I'm getting a little nervous, so finally I just say, well, whatever it is, Lord, I'm just going to stop and (laughs) we'll deal with it, you know. So I stopped, and this guy who looked kind of like beat up is looking at me, and and he asked me, he goes, do you remember me? And I said, I don't know know if I do. And he goes, you gave me a book, and it changed my life. And I'm sitting there going, well, it's great that it changed your life, but I don't remember giving anybody any book anywhere. Now, as it was before we went as a family i was there a year before that with a team i took from two out of elam It was teen world outreach i I took a team of teenagers there and we did have some handing out gospel we had you know peace with god from billy graham and some other general gospel literature that we were handing out there and he obviously got one and remembered me so i'm going oh okay it didn't dawn on me till later that day that that happened but we got into a conversation. I was able to share a little bit with him. And then eventually we went through the process of leading him to the Lord. The interesting part of this and the, the difficult part of this is as I'm going through this process with him of giving him the gospel message, which I don't want to ever present as something that's hard to do. It's not hard. But with this guy, the thing was that was getting to me was the fact that if anybody knows about Bosnia and the war that happened in the 90s, that's the war in which ethnic cleansing was that term was coined. And while I'm there, they're dealing with mass graves they're trying to figure out. They're, there's just a whole lot going on there. And it occurs to me that this guy is Serbian. Now, I was living in Mostar, which is a Croatian stronghold and a Muslim stronghold. And the city is separated by a river. And during the war, if you were on the wrong side of the river, your life was in danger if you were the wrong ethnicity. It was a very weird ethnic thing. But if you were Serbian, I mean, these guys were the ones that surrounded Sarajevo and for a year's siege on Sarajevo. These guys were pretty tough. And the stories that I heard of what they did to the women and what they did was beyond atrocities. Things I heard that these guys did was, I know things I don't share because it's something you can't get the picture out of your head when it's in there. Uh, It's that bad. So now the Lord reveals that this is one of those guys. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. The gospel doesn't apply to him. It can't. You know? I mean, that's what I want to say. I know. I know better. I was trained well in my Sunday school classes growing up that the gospel is for everybody, and so I'm sharing the gospel with a guy and discipling a guy that was one of the mm. one of the bad guys, and it really occurred to me then that everybody has sin. Whenever you get this idea that somehow I'm good enough, or when people say to me, oh, I could never be saved, I've done these things, it's like I want to laugh at them. I go, what, your your sin is too big for God? I mean, really? The guy that created the whole universe, and your sin is too big for them? I don't think so. So that was an experience where it was one guy, but I was able to see God do some amazing things. And I went back years later, I was in church, Uh, I might have been speaking that night, I'm not sure, but I look behind me during worship, and he's in the back row worshiping the Lord. Mm. And he got plugged in, and he was now a brother in the Lord in the full sense of the word.
1: That's powerful. Wow. So maybe you can talk about the basic skill
0: set someone needs to have to take a trip. So I I would like to take it just with that. Sure. Here's what you need to take a trip and be effective turn your one palm up and then put your fingers just below your thumb and if you feel a pulse you qualify and i'm not kidding sometimes we go like in when we work in lebanon some of the times we're dealing with a staff retreat where we're pouring into their staff and in that case you want to bring a skill set where you're able to teach and be effective but other trips like when we go to an orphanage can you rock a baby and give the staff some relief they're going to love you forever And if you do it in the name of Jesus, and they know that you're there because you love the Lord and you want to serve, it's going to speak louder than anything you're going to say. Your willingness to take their load on, do dishes in the sink. Those kind of jobs are qualified because there's more practical needs. And the other thing, if you have gray hair, it's mostly, in every place I go, it's well-respected. We think, in this culture, once you get so old, you kind of get obsolete. In other cultures, you just kind of go up the respect chain. and well, I, You and
1: I are moving up the, the uh, yeah, res- respect finally chain. Finally, I've arrived. I got Sadly, re- all too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I mean, right, you right.
0: got gray hair over there. All of a sudden, people are listening. People want to mm. know what you say, and what you say means something. And you realize that. You've got some wisdom that, it only comes with age. You've got to live through experiences to have them, you know, mm-hmm. and you can't share something you haven't experienced with any force of the Spirit, I think.
1: So you're saying if you have a pulse, you could go do ministry somewhere. Absolutely. What would that look like? What do you do
0: when you go? Say
1: you're not very skilled in really anything in particular. Well, on some trips, it's. It but you're can, willing, you know? Right.
0: Some trips there's that Denny does is uh, Denny's the outreach director of our, yep. our, glo- our global stuff where people travel more. He does everything from building things, painting, all the practical stuff. He does those kind of trips. He also does trips where you're working with kids. They're running camps, and you're involved with the camp. Maybe you're everything from a referee on a game to just bunking with some kids and giving them some adult guidance. Or you're a kid, and you're just being present with some kid playing basketball, and all of a sudden, after you get that relationship It just opens the doors to sharing your faith because always the question comes up, why are you here? And how you answer that can change lives, you know, because it doesn't make sense why somebody that lives in America that has all that we have and we do have would come there to be with them. It's just, like, weird to them. Mm -hmm. And so they say, why are you here? I've had that question so many times. Why would you come here? Why here? Because you're here. It just opens up a door to talk about the Lord. Getting into... This is why I exist. I exist to connect to God and to connect to his family and to spread his kingdom. And wherever Jesus reigns, that's, that's it. That's the kingdom of God. So, well,
1: and it strikes me, it is very Christ-like. I mean, the, the whole incarnation of Jesus coming to us is mm-hmm. really a very profound glimpse of
0: that. You right. know, so The one thing, so yeah, some, some people don't understand why you would go overseas. I've heard, had the question say, why would you go over there when there's so much need here? And when I was in Bosnia, there was 4.4 million people there. They had 10 pastors. So one pastor for, what, every 250,000 people? Here we got one pastor for every 200 people. Now, all of a sudden, another person ready to serve the Lord pops out. Because I don't think God separates us by nationality. It's either you're in the kingdom or you're not. Either you're his nationality of a kingdom resident or you're not. And when another one comes into the kingdom and says, hey, I want to serve the Lord, I would just think he's going to put you where you're needed most. Or if you're available and you say, I'm available, Lord. As I look at it, I see where the real need is. Here, we're tripping over the gospel. I mean, if you want to find the gospel, I can go a 10-minute walk from here and be in 10 places that I can hear the gospel. And I just don't understand that thinking at all. And I, I, I hope I never understand it, to be honest with you.
1: Sure. So all the way from basically just willing and available to very skilled medical trips and building trips and those sorts of things. And we do
0: the whole gamut of those. And the funny thing is, is I found myself being a pharmacist in Peru at a medical team because they needed somebody. Your willingness almost qualifies you. I mean, obviously, I was just handing out prepackaged things and they said, give them package one. But I was handing them pills out from the counter Package one to the person that needed. So acting as the guy that was doing the pharmacy part, totally would say I'm unqualified. But they needed somebody that was had integrity, was trustworthy. That was the qualification. So I wouldn't say you can be un, you can be unqualified to go if you can't follow direction, if you can't work under a leader, yeah. if you can't respect the culture you're in, if you can't come alongside and think we're there to serve. If those concepts can't penetrate you then you wouldn't be able to go. They would say no. Denny, I know, would say. I know I would say they're not qualified to go yet. Sure. But if the Lord speaks to us, he's going to give us the ability to break through some things before we go, and we do extensive training before somebody goes. And uh, most of the training is about getting along with your teammates, the people that you know, and you have these unspoken expectations on them. So we work on all those things before we go. That's
1: great. So you have been involved in missions really for decades, all sorts of experiences, 20-some countries, all that kind of leading up to this current role you have at Watermark. Tell us a little bit about this role, what it looks like, what the scope of your position is, um, any way you kind of want to describe that. But I'd just like people to hear a bit
0: from you about what this role looks like. Well, I'm still learning the answer to that question, but from where I'm at now, basically our church is connected to probably 30, 40 different ministries Globally, we're very heavy into Lebanon, into Zambia, into India, and a little bit to the Congo, and we're looking at Sierra Leone. But within those contexts, there's multiple, sometimes multiple ministries. Locally, here, we're involved with a lot in the city of Buffalo, and we're in Springville, and there's just multiple, like PATH, uh, which is dealing with trafficking humans, trying to penetrate that with the Gospel and rescuing some that are being absolutely devastatingly abused and used.
1: Yeah, well, that's Julie Palmer. We had a podcast episode. uh with Julie. People Against Human Trafficking. Yeah, and
0: yep. yeah, that's right. We've we talked to her, so people know about yep. that already. And then Brad Belleville is in we charge. We also of heard the, him from and recently. He, yep. And he, you know, we didn't even start to scratch the surface of the places that he's touching. Plus, he's networked to so many more. So we're always making connections and meeting. And then we're connected very well with 716 through one of our board members. And that's connected to... I mean, I'm, I'm realizing now as I'm visiting these places, it's citywide. We can connect things to make things happen and are making things happen. The lady I met with this afternoon is beautifying Grant Street in Buffalo, one of the most... Because of the wind and the way the buildings are, it's like a lot of trash and stuff, and she's making that beautiful. And in so doing, she's connecting on the streets early in the morning... She's meeting prostitutes, she's meeting different ones, and she's able to speak into their life. It's just, just hearing her stories are amazing. And we have people in our church, and nobody knows about this. This is the thing that really drove me into this position or getting involved in the missions committee, was I knew we were doing a lot, but I didn't know what that was. Sure. Even after I took this job, I didn't know what we were all into. But as I go out with our directors of each area, I'm just... Amazed at the quality of the ministries we're connected to and the people we're reaching and touching and the networks they've built because they've been in the job because they've been faithful, faithful, faithful. And these guys are volunteers. They're all retired into missions. And what a beautiful idea that is, retiring into missions because they're...
1: More of a promotion
0: than a it's, retirement. It's, it's yeah. absolutely. It's awesome. And, and it's like, if, if you retire without purpose... Oh my gosh! Yeah. You, you, well, you know the statistics. Well, and I'd
1: encourage people who are interested if they missed earlier episodes of the podcast. I mean, we have Denny Willis and Brad Belleville to be able to hear Denny globally and Brad regionally here. In, you know, in Buffalo um, was very, very insightful for me and very interesting to learn about all and, involved. In. And what
0: I'm hoping to bring to the table here is a pathway for people that say, you know what, I want to go, yeah. I want to stay in the field, I want to do that be a full-time missionary I think a church our size could have several of those and we have uh, Stacia over in part of the world that we don't say the name of the country because of security reasons but she's very active in a very cool area and we could have more and I'm hoping we do some people might want to go for months at a time and I'm trying to set those possibilities up but the key thing and I would like to stress this is let us know R. Johnson at watermarkwesleyan.com let me know if you're interested in connecting and starting to plan now maybe for when you can be available. That's great. So what would you say, if you had to summarize
1: your position or at least kind of your goal so far, uh, in a sentence or a couple sentences, what would you say you're really hoping to see happen?
0: Well, the thing that was asked of me when I beginning, when I got the job, was Paul Gartley. I said, well, kind of sum up what you want me to do, you know, because I need to have some Eric, he goes, I want everybody in the church doing something outside the church. So, in a sense, that's my overarching marching orders. And I like to say it, connecting people to purpose, that's why it's the tagline for this podcast, is when that happens, when people connect to their purpose, it's a life-changing event, and they can point to the day it happened, just like they can their salvation. Because when you get saved, you have the revelation of what Jesus did for you, and you connect to him and you have now the ability to connect to your purpose because you're created and wired a certain way unlike anybody else and there's a reason for that and when we get a hold of that i think that's when your life really be that's my experience that's great
1: we already touched on this a little bit i did want to kind of dive into local regional and global Mm -hmm. ministry currently happening Probably the best way to get a real great handle on that is, like I mentioned, to listen to the podcast interview we did with mm-hmm. Denny Willis and Brad Belleville and on an upcoming episode, Jay Bradway. Is there anything you want to mention during this podcast episode that uh, you want to kind of highlight or maybe that we missed in some of those previous ones? Because we don't want to repeat all that, you know, whole right. podcast worth of stuff. But
0: I'm always finding out about stuff. And if I say anything, I'm going to miss something else. Sure. But there's so much going on like urban farms that i've been visiting a little bit and just seeing i mean you think well gee what's that have to do with the gospel you know you're planting gardens oh it has a ton because you bring these young people in and you know how many parables that you can share about things with gardening or farming i mean so much of the how Bible. Many? 72
1: <laughs> that's pretty impressive
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. Sorry. And I couldn't resist coming up with a <laughs> fake answer either. But and that's what they use as a, a leaping off point to sharing the gospel, but it mm-hmm. makes it so easy. And they have these kids there for a long time. And the stores in the city of Buffalo, when they you go to a local store, there is no health food there. They have chips, beer, candy, and uh, I guess you can get a sub sandwich at some places and stuff. And so nutritionally, you're in a in like a train wreck, you know, and by bringing this stuff interview these kids don't even know where like an ira how it grows you know mm-hmm. does it grow underground you know they have no idea and so as they learn about these vegetables then they're taking them home and then they're starting to eat healthy and they're learning about nutrition and you're seeing the lift in the community it's really an amazing thing and it's just a great vehicle and then all of them are connected to other ministries and churches so there's just natural flow amongst these networks and that's another thing. It's just uh, there's a couple people. Brad's one of them, amazing networkers. Another one is uh, John, uh, one of our board members, John Lee. Yeah, amazing networker. He connects the dots, and that's one yeah. of the hardest things to do. We get the team to get you know we we pull different ones together and and we invest in a, a more of a collaborative. Let's get the the different pieces together so we can see something really special happen. Yeah. And now we've seen like Jericho Road. We started helping them early in their growth, now they are starting other ministries, launching other ministries, supporting other ministries, because now they've grown up to be a federally connected health care center. So there's revenue. The ministry hasn't slowed at all. In fact, it's accelerated. Now we're helping them in the Congo with another branch of Jericho Road over there, where we're working a health clinic and we're getting involved there. And then we have other people in our church that are really interested over there. And we, it's just, there's so many things I see happening. And the sad thing is nobody knows about this stuff. And that's why I'm so glad to do this podcast with you because we can kind of let the cat out of the bag and more people can get involved and who knows what could happen.
1: Right. What would you say are some of the more accessible opportunities for people right now? It's very unique that we're in the middle of a pandemic. So that obviously impacts travel, even local ministry, church, you know, everything's impacted right now, but... Kind of outside of of the anomaly of of this season, what are, you know, as things kind of hopefully go back to normal sometime here in the near future, what are some of the more accessible opportunities?
0: Well, one of the ones which we're already already connected with is 716 Ministries has a mentoring program they do to get people that are either in some economic distress or whatever, but getting them ready to work. Because a lot of them don't have the basic skills like how to do an interview, how to do a resume, how to do these things. And they've set this thing up online now, so you can mentor through the web. You take them through this workbook they have, and it's real, it's not hard, but this one-on-one contact, again, it's a discipleship type thing, but it teaches them all the basic skills of getting jobs and what it takes, because without that help, nobody would hire them. But if they learn how to function in in that environment. Some of these guys are coming out of jail. Some of them are just coming out of really nasty growing-up homes, you know. We're partnering with them. We're helping them. This is one of the areas we we support, but that's a real easy one to get involved with. Yeah, that's great. Well, what a great opportunity for just about anybody, really. Yeah, and the farms, you know, can you you weed a garden? You can sit next to a kid, help him weed his little area, and then when you go inside to do your lesson, you know, they're doing just the – Actually, I mean, there's so much to be said about just being there, being present. Uh, we can, you know, send money places, but when you can send people and people are connecting with people, that's when the magic happens. That's when people see the, the kingdom right before their eyes.
1: Once we get back to global trips, what would be a trip or two that
0: you might suggest for people? Poetus is an amazing ministry in Zambia. And they have a school of justice there. So I would encourage people to consider that. We've sent a lot of teams there. And it, and nobody has come back without being changed dramatically. The feedback I get from people there is just, it's like they're li- they're living the rest of their life now. I mean, because yeah. it had such an impact and then seeing the community change, the community lift and the impact that that ministry has had in that area of Zambia and, and beyond. That's great. That's one. And then there's Heart for Lebanon, they're dealing with a lot of refugees, and there's camps that kids can go and work in the camps, and there's this other reconciliation center they have. I think it's in the Bacow Valley. They have a lot of refugees from other countries there that are in the most unbelievably horrific positions, and they are all hate each other. Mm. So they've got a center there that's a reconciliation center, and it helps the kids with their school. It's another area where there's opportunity to uh, just connect and demonstrate the kingdom and demonstrate what it is to walk with the Lord and walk in faith and and, uh, be an encouragement.
1: That's great. Uh, What would you say are kind of some of the dreams as you look to the future? I'm not trying to lock you into any specific (laughs) plans here or anything, but what are you thinking about, kicking around, dreaming about with your, you know, I know you have a a committee that you work with and various other people involved. What are some things you and and your team are kind of dreaming
0: about? The dream for next year is we'd like to start a Magazine of sorts, so we can keep people informed. The thing that bothered me the most when I started was communication. I want to see people. I want. This is why we're doing this, you know. I want people to know about what's going on. So we'll start a magazine, and we're we're looking forward to that being a very helpful, very invitive way to get people to connect. Because uh, again, that's our mission is really to connect people. As far as dreams go, I'd like to see us put a. Location that we can maintain in some of these places, or at least one to start, so that the trip costs can come down a little mm-hmm. bit. Because um, if we can, uh, I mean, you just look at if you're spending, uh, you got 10 people, 10 nights, that's 100 nights at what, 50 bucks a night or something for a hotel room, that's $5,000. Now, that $5,000 would pay a rent on some apartment for a year. If we got a nicer apartment that could handle a team and we did three, four teams, that's $15,000 that could go to help more trips. Yeah. So we're looking at creative ways of making trips. You're
1: really good at big picture thinking, really big picture sometimes, like far
0: down the road, I think.
1: And I think that's one of the things that really uniquely suits you for this job is you, you have a great ability to kind of see the big picture of things and to kind of creatively think about things. So as you're looking at sending people all over the world or and hoping dozens of teams get out what if know?
0: I'm a I just retired and I can spend three months somewhere sure. all of a sudden yeah. if we have an apartment or something and again this is you're asking me to dream these are my dreams yeah uh, to be able to send somebody for a longer time and also develop full time people that want to go and yeah. say hey I want to plant myself somewhere yeah. I want to fan those flames
1: anything else you want to touch on in terms of coming down the pike potentially well
0: locally I do have an interest in BAM which is business's mission we're looking at the East Side. What does that mean? Can you explain that a little bit, business admission? Well, you can plant churches. you can also plant a business. and when you plant a business, it's a little easier, and it has a similar effect. It's got the added benefit of you have a captive audience, so you have a little staff that you have. You're running a business so you have vendors, customers, staff. If you live a kingdom life in front of them, and they see it, the kingdom demonstrated every day, it's another very effective way of communicating the gospel, especially in more difficult places, because the local governments we've found are very open to starting business. They're very not open to starting churches in some places. And you don't apologize. You just go in there. I'm a Christian. This is who I am. And because of the need for taxes, the need for people to have jobs, there's an openness and there's a a door. And that's a door that I'd like to explore and we're even thinking of starting in uh with a little something in buffalo to test the waters these are again my dreams that's what i like to yeah yeah these are the things that i think about when i'm going to bed at night and i don't have anything else to do yeah so that's kind of um so it's kind of taken
1: more almost yeah you're, you're intentionally going in and start a business with the plan to share your faith model your faith And And, and, really lead people to Jesus. And and there's so
0: much in the Bible about business, about you know, honesty, the scales being balanced and leading it because there's so much corruption over there. What does it look like when you're not corrupt? It's just not done. They keep two sets of books and it's just normal. But what if you say, No, I'm not gonna do that? I'm gonna live it right and you know, it might need a little help to get started. If you get somebody into a business and you don't have a lot of debt going in their chances of success could be fairly good if they know what they're doing in a business setting where they're not burdened with a huge uh, loan payment to pay back. And so if we can get something going and let the payback, if somebody wants to invest, be over a longer period so that there's, they're not stressing the, the success of the business. Sure. So that's just a technique. But then once they're in it, if they're really... And this is where you got to find the right people that have a real gospel, evangelical heart, but also have the business common sense because... You don't want to have a business go in and then have it fail, so it's got to be well thought out.
1: Well, and that's what I like about the opportunities we have – both locally, regionally, and globally, all three of those areas, is you do have a lot of entry points for not being very specified in your skill set all the way to someone, maybe on the other extreme, where they'd say, oh, yeah. I'm a doctor, I have a very specific skill set. If I miss a week of work, it costs me X amount of money, which is mm-hmm. probably more substantial than a lot of people would, would deal with with a week, week away from work. Um, but there's opportunities to go and do medical missions. Oh, that my would be gosh. incredibly rewarding. This would be another example where I'd say, you know, you have some amazing business people perhaps yeah. who would say, well, I'm great at business, but I have a, maybe a heart for ministry and, and stuff, but what I've, could
0: I do? I have a place I want to take them to. What I want them to do is literally go there, have coffee, in the and walk the streets and think. Just think businessy mm. and say, oh, you know what this place could use, you know, or, or see something or look at other opportunities and that's where having a church like this size is so cool there's so much talent here and i'm just scratching the surface of what i'm learning and it's mind-boggling what potentially we have here it's like a an atom bomb that could go off and we could affect so much a good atom bomb for jesus yes mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh yeah spiritual <laughs> explosion <laughs> it's great yeah
1: So uh, yeah, that's one of the things I like about what we're talking about here is that from really having no discernible skill set, but being willing to go It's, it's it all the way to the most extremely skilled
0: people you can get. And you know, when that happens sometimes, Dan, is when you're on the field and all of a sudden you find yourself doing something that you didn't even know was to do and you're doing it and you're making a big difference and it's like people find themselves. It's life-changing because yeah, all of a sudden yeah. they think, well, here maybe they don't have a purpose. Maybe their purpose is over there. There's people that go over there and they wind up staying over there. I mean, maybe they come back to gather their things, but they find themselves, and it's great to see. And
1: Well, and we haven't even really touched on spiritual giftedness, which oh. is a whole other kind of... Uh, oh, absolutely. You know probably a whole different podcast, but, you know, those places that God's uniquely gifted each believer to be able to really make an impact for the kingdom. And when you take someone who maybe doesn't have a strong skill set in in any one particular area, and that's probably most of us if we say, well, what can I offer? You know, there's people who are good at building and, you know, a lot of different specified skills, but there's also more people probably who are maybe good in their job, but don't necessarily have a, a skill set they'd interpret as being one that would be highly useful on right. the field. So that's kind of what I mean when I say, you know, no discernible real skill set uniquely. But God's gifted each believer to be able to uniquely make an impact for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right in that a lot of times when you're serving just out of a willingness, God reveals those yes. things about yourself. And then you're able to really kind of hone in on that. That's and, what
0: happened to me. And he brings stuff from your life experience. And it's like, oh, that's why. I did that when I was younger, and your life begins to make sense because he had a plan all along. We didn't know it, but he knew it, and all of a sudden, it's as it starts to mature into maybe your life's work or what you're doing, like right now, I'm looking back and saying, this is the job of my dream, and it's like this, I can't believe it's happening. And then I look back and see the preparation and the different experiences I've had because uh, they, uh, you know, I've told you some of the good ones. Like we can have another podcast on all the train wrecks, that all taught me something where mm. I was, I never was the cause of one, but I was involved with in the trips where other people, there was just major problems. Yeah. And, uh, and I have a lot of those experiences which are going to play really well because something's going to happen, you know, where you're going to have to sort something out. And uh, I have something to draw from anyway. I mean, sure. it might not be the right thing, but it's not going to be a shock when something doesn't go perfect, you know? So, sure. That, that's good.
1: That's great. well, We've been going for a while. Anything you want to kind of reiterate or that we missed that you wanted to make sure we touched on today?
0: I'll come back to the thing we've been kind of hammering the whole time. To be qualified for getting involved, you need a pulse. And uh, just a willingness to, to be submissive to the process of preparing, you know. And uh, I just want to encourage people as much as I can to let Denny. You know, people know these people. Denny is a known commodity here. Uh, Brad is. Jay is. Don't hesitate to connect with one of those there. And, and if and they, you don't
1: know them and you're listening, the, yeah. by all means reach out because yeah. those each of those guys retired yeah. into their role. Yeah. And do it because they're passionate about it. Oh, they do yeah. it because they love helping people get connected.
0: If you connect with outreach, you can call the church, ask for somebody in outreach and any time you can connect with us, it's it's hopefully going to be a real pleasant experience because we're anxious to see people connect and there's different ones now stepping into different roles and it's just fun to see yeah but to be a part of that
1: yep and people can also email us uh it'll come to both of us reach and teach at watermark that's a great way to um yep. so if you're if you're listening, both of you listeners who who hear this at some point, all three of you know, three. uh This yeah. is gonna be the most popular podcast
0: in <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
1: I just saw the uh the sports guys had uh the Yankees chaplain uh-huh. last week and, yeah. and Quite a few of the Bills folks, mm-hmm. and so they're, they're on a them. roll with high-profile celebrities. But we've got right. Randy Johnson today, folks. <laughs> so, right. uh, and you who, know, there's the sweat room. The sweat room, yeah. yeah those, those guys are crushing. And, and
0: it. that, yeah, they can. You can connect a lot of great podcasts. over We there. should
1: have thought of the sports angle because you get bigger yeah. names and a little bit bigger well, draw. Regardless, in any in any event, thank you for joining us, Randy. Thank you for your willingness to say yes the first time and to continue to say yes as God has called you to. Uh, greater and greater ministry opportunities i'm really looking forward to seeing how things develop for our church in this area how you really impact and shape this area and it's just great to hear from you and well, a uh, bit the better. lord has
0: blessed me with three great lieutenants or generals or whatever you want to say if i can just serve them well they're going to do amazing things and i'm lo- i'm just so privileged to be a part of it
1: Hey, thanks for joining us today, folks. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks again. God bless. Talk to you later.